There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Podcast. I am your host Raj Burns, and joining me as ever is Sebastian Safablo. How are you, Seb? I'm doing okay, mate. We're recording on Monday, which is a bit weird, and it's also an afternoon, which is I don't know. I'm not I'm not in a, a podcasty mood yet. Yeah, it's usually the the evening after what not a normal office day on the Tuesday that we record. Uh, that's when the, the pod will be coming out at normal time as always. Um, but it's just because when it's only us two, and because we work from home, and essentially, you know, just pad out our day pretending we're working and things. Exactly. Yeah. We 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 can afford these luxuries. Whereas Jack, because he, he's not here, obviously, he's too busy at work, um, which is why we're doing it without him. He's busy for the next month or so. Um, he's got an awful lot on, which. Um, I know he pretends as if he's a, a joker and, and whatnot when he's on here, but he, he's got an awful lot on professionally, hasn't he? So he um, he, he can't join us, unfortunately. Um, we're not going to make constant references back to him, as you did with me last time um, throughout your chats. Um, <laughs> I was listening. I listened to the last podcast because um, it was one of, one of the few I haven't been on um, all the way through because I don't really listen to him because if I edit him, it ends up, you know, listening to the same thing four or five times, and I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> um, but I listened to you two having a chat while I built a bed, um, and sort of because it was in the middle of the night as well. I was texting you updates through your chat. Yeah, you gave you gave us production notes, which we woke up to the next morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it, it wasn't as long as I was expecting it to be, which was nice. Came in like uh, an hour and twenty eight minutes, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. yeah which is quite restrained for when I let you two do it alone. Um, well, that's because we, 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 we spent about 40 minutes on Skype before we actually started recording. So it would have been a, like a, a proper two and a half hour special otherwise. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, yeah. That, those 40 minutes when you usually talk about, you know, self-service checkouts, they usually make it in. What was it this time? The master drive or something you talked about? Master system. I, I can't believe... The thing is about the master system is that... Um, so how far back does your memory go? So do you remember... It goes back to 1992 when I was born. <laughs> No, no, but your 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 console memory. Um, I think the first console I ever played on was um, a Ninten- the Nintendo before N sixty four. So was it Super Nintendo? Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, Super Nintendo I played on. Um, my cousins had one of those. The first one I ever owned myself was I, my mum bought me a chipped PS one when I was five. Um, so that was my first oh, ever console. So young. Uh, yeah. No Mega um, Drive, no original no. Nintendo, no Master System, no Amiga. No. My dad had a um an original uh Nintendo Game Boy. 
Yeah. Um, which I played an awful lot on. Uh, um, that was, uh, that, Game Boy was, uh, that was a good time. We've still got that somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's great. Uh, we used to have this thing as well that clipped onto the top of it, so you used to be able to uh, magnify the screen yeah. and uh, have a light shine on it as well because these are the days before they were Those backlit. Those are for car journeys as well. When you, um... Well, I couldn't do it in a car because I always felt motion sick. Um, oh, okay. But I, I used to do it on a plane and um, whenever we used to go away, I used to play on it. Um, so that was good. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, PS1 was my first one. And then uh, my mum bought a computer as well, so I used to play, like, Doom and uh, Secret of Monkey Strike. Island. No, no Counter-Strike. Yeah. Uh, Secret of Monkey Island. Um, I had oh, well. with, um, with Guybrush Threepwood. Yeah. That um, was a... Um, I'll tell you what, that... that I, I actually, this is worse than me and Jack. I actually re, I actually bought that um, a couple of years ago for my Mac and played it again because oh, it is fantastic. Which, is that, you're talking about the, the very original one? Yeah, right? they, like, they, remastered, they remastered the original in HD. Wow. Um, and it's available in the Mac App Store. It's probably available on, on Steam and stuff like that as well for people who don't have Apple computers. Um, but it's... Um, Do you it remember really when fun. you had to... Um, <laughs> Do you remember when you had to uh, to fight the swordmaster in the forest, and you had yeah. to learn phrases to fight pirates with? Yeah, that was but, a good time because there was, was so much logic on it. I, uh, I think terrific. Um, like it was, it wasn't even collecting all the right things; it was collecting them in the right order as and well. Being smart, you know. Yeah, so like yeah. even like using rags and putting them inside bottles and things and managing to trick people and waiting until they'd fallen asleep. Using so the saucepans like... so that you could join the circus and be shot out of a cannon. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, that, yeah. took me, that took me days to work that out. No. There was going now, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me join, and then eventually I thought, you know what, give that a try. Yeah. Use, use saucepan on head, whatever the instruction was. Yeah, because you had to have a helmet to join the Yeah, uh, there was the some circus. kind of health and safety in that circus. mm but yeah, that's that's probably one of my favourite games ever. Is uh, oh, Super Mario Game? So much imagination in that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we've we've got to talk about football. I can't sit here and slag you two off talk talking about, about rubbish. Monkey Island. And then we talk about Monkey Island for. Um, at least we've got our uh, our podcast name out of the way, nice and early. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we're going to top the secret of Monkey Island as a podcast name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we best talk about. Um, you guys covered the transfer window and everything, didn't you? Yeah. You've got nothing for me to uh, to bring on there. The one thing I wanted to, before we talk about Sunderland, which we will get onto, is um, you guys talked about Jack's supporting of Roma and how it's sort of nice to have that naivety yeah. of, um, of just enjoying the football rather than um, being, you know, surrounded by the, the Twitter world and actually having any sort of emotional attachment to the team because um, that brings with it all sorts of <laughs> complications of fandom. Um, as You know, we're two men sat here talking about a football club so you can see what, what it does to you and what lengths it drives you to. Um, but essentially everything he said about Roma is, is why I bought a Huddersfield season ticket because they can be the most terrible team in the division, which they probably are, given they're in the bottom three. And I'm not sure they've won a game yet all season. Um, but they are horrible. And um, I don't ever care, which is nice. The people around me, um, I don't ever feel like I need to interact with or care about. I never really check the tweets about them or, you know, the first I hear of the team that's playing is when they announce them in the ground. Um, so it's that, that sort of distance, which is... It was really nice. So that that um that conversation you had resonated with me because it was um 
I find myself. I, I um, when I was when I was younger, um, I I grew up in in Oxford. Well, I grew up between Oxford and Bath, and um, I used to go and watch Oxford United quite a lot because you could. I mean, this was the early nineties, and, and and you could get in to the old Manigrant for like six quid as a child, um, and I used to find myself getting quite into it. You know, because it, it wasn't quite the same as going to watch Tottenham, but but like back then, because because you you know you you didn't have the money to travel or to buy tickets, and you were kind of reliant on grown ups or like friends' birthdays or whatever. Um, it, it it felt like a, a special occasion, but like I you know it, to, a football crowd's quite a quite an emotive environment naturally, so it's kind of it's a pretty good substitute. Like so, I I I, I mean I, I tease you about the Huddersfield thing, but I do get it. I tend to, even though there are a lot of emotive people sat around me, I tend to laugh at yeah. them rather than with them. Well, you don't Cause melt down because you don't have the same, you know, vested yeah. interest in what's going on. For example, I've I've noticed this one man who I absolutely despise already, who sits like three rows in front of me to the left, so like three seats across, but about three rows down as well. And he's got this horrible slapback hairdo. He must be late thirties, I'm guessing, because mm-hmm. um, he's got a kid who must be around. Uh, eight, nine, ten, that sort of age. And he's like this hyper-aggressive man who does nothing but complain. And even though he's sat at the opposite end of the pitch from the manager, he'll spend his entire, you know, game shouting at Chris Powell and, and demanding things to be done. And um, and he really hates um, Tommy Smith, who plays right back. Every, like, whenever Tommy Smith touches a ball, no matter if it's a good tackle or whatever, you're always shit, you're always shit, you know. <laughs> He's one of them. Yeah, I mean, but every the, the worst thing every is, stadium has that guy, though. But the worst thing is, everyone around him, because I think they've got so used to him, just sort of ignores him and just sort of, you know, lets him get on with it. And I, and I saw his son the other week. There was a, a player for Brighton, that infamous Brighton game where they conceded after 20, 20, yeah. uh, <laughs> 18 seconds, sorry, without touching the ball. Um, he shouted at one of the Brighton players because he had long hair. And then his son went, Yeah, you puff. And it was like, Oh, you can see how single-minded that poor child is going to grow up because this imbecile of a man is his father. And you get to see firsthand how sort of social conditioning can limit one's view of the world, um, which is unfortunate. It, it, interesting you, you bring up, because I, when, I, when I was younger, this is one of the things that used to really trouble me, is that you get that character who takes his, his kid to the football and behaves like a complete prick in front of his son or daughter, mainly son back then, really. Um, and I remember, yeah, I remember watching Huddersfield against, I think it might have been Bristol City. Um, and I was at Ashton Gate, and, and it was the time when uh, Effie Soja was, was still playing for um, the Huddersfield. And if you don't know who yeah. he is, he, 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 well, I, I know you know who he is, but if, if the listeners don't, he, he was... Um, his centre half and he used to wear this bandana. He's a good player, actually. Um, like a do rag, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. And he was just, um, yeah. And I remember him coming up for a corner and someone walking down the steps to like the edge of the advertising hoardings, but you know, between but behind the goal and racially abusing him. And like everyone was just like, "Fuck's sake, shut up!" And 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 like everyone, everyone kind of just pushed him back to his seat and just. Because in one of these situations, it was so shocking that um, it might have been actually been. No, I thought you know I, I tell you what, I was watching Oxford. I wasn't watching Bristol City, um, and um, and when something like that happens, it's just it's so shocking that you just you don't really know how to react other than just you know fucking sit down, you prick. 
Um, anyway, so once everyone has sort of pushed him back to his seat and, and you know had a few choice words for him, he sits down and he's sitting next down next to his, I, I guess was, you know, a, a six seven year old boy. Yeah, I just thought, well, yeah, I, 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 I still don't have, have a chance. Yeah, but it's just it's like first of all, the boy doesn't have a chance. But secondly, what is it about someone that thinks, all right, if if you have if you have a pejorative opinion about anything then surely for the good of your child, you, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I can't even verbalize it, mate. It was just, yeah, I've, I I've never forgotten that. I, I just, I, I just thought, you, you know, what are you doing? Um, yeah, you yeah it was definitely get... at Oxford actually that, cause it, I remember I was, I was with a couple of my friends and we went off to school to watch that. Um, yeah. and it was just, it was astonishing. Luckily, awful. there's been no there's been no racism I've heard as yet from the Huddersfield crowd, but good, um, good, good. I'm not, <laughs> I won't be surprised if that man delves into it himself. But um, we should talk about Sunderland now. We've we've um, we've done racism and Monkey Island, and, yeah, and we've done all kinds of other stuff. But we um, yeah, we we should um, yeah, go on to Spurs maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, Sunderland. Uh, we won one nil. Yeah. Um, I was. I said I was building a bed when I uh, <laughs> when I listened to you guys last time. I was building a chair while um, while this game was on, so I wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't texting you two at all. I, uh, you know, the only other person I had the opinion of was my dad, who was also building a chair, so he wasn't really talking as much as he does during a game either. Um, so I just got to sort of watch it on sort of you know, flustered or, you know, with nobody else's opinions helping form mine or what have you. Um, but but what did you make of the game before before I say anything? I was really impressed. I mean I I've tempered my expectations a little bit because I know I know um the restrictions on how we can play because we're not a, a terribly dynamic side and we're not I mean given the players we have, we're not gonna blow teams away. But I um you know with with one or two exceptions obviously the foe chance. Um, I thought we it was a really controlled performance. I mean, they had a little bit of the ball, and Sunderland. I mean, people 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 got all all upset because they they kind of looked at Sunderland's league position and they remembered the the sort of the highlight reel that 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 team has put together um, so far this season. But they played far better than I've seen them at any other point this year. Um, they were actually pretty. They're, they're they're limited, but you know they they were pretty resilient and they played they played. Uh, as you'd expect a home side to do when the crowd's behind them. Um, but I thought we were controlled. We kept the ball really well. Um, we didn't create an awful lot until we scored. But then the goal in itself was just, God, what a work of art that was. You just, I, I, it, it felt like the goal that we've been, we've, been, um, we've been waiting sort of four games to see. Yeah, it's worth waiting for. Oh, as well. it's just, I, I, was, um, I, I was actually, I was watching at home yesterday um, with a, a female friend of mine, and she was reading the paper on the sofa next to me. And when is your went... Romanian girlfriend? No, no, no! Stop, stop, stop! No, no! This is um, there's no Romanian, there's no Romanian girlfriend. There's a Romanian ex, but no current. Um, but this was someone else, and she um, she was just reading the paper next to me, and um, and I uh, I, I left the sofa and did a little bit of a, a dance of joy, and I was I was, I was told to to sit down. And at my age, <laughs> but it, but it, it, it was great. It was just the movement, the precision. There's so many elements of it. Like that, that's the chance we've been waiting for to see Ryan Mason take. That's the kind of contribution we've been waiting to see from Lamella in the middle of the pitch. And the layoff from Kane was was excellent. And just everything. I mean, I've seen. Um, I, I, I watched. Um, I watched match of the day last night, late last night, and they were talking about you know 
Sunderland's inability to track our players and Catamol doing nothing and you know but it's just ultimately okay but also I didn't realise Catamol was playing for most of the game after he wasn't mate he came as a sub <laughs> he, he didn't play for most of it he um he got brought on I think um, no even when he came on I, I, he made no yeah but no he's impact. not I mean Lee, Lee Catamol's not Premier League football he's just someone that he's 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 he, he he's carved a career out of trying hard you, yeah, but you you expect when you see Lee Catamol to come on, you expect in a similar to sort to of Charlie Adam way, yeah, to yeah, yeah. to for him to do that Sunday League thing of making himself known. But that in itself is a statement about how how well we kept the ball because he mm. didn't get the chance to do that. I, I thought we were, we were it was an even game, but I thought we were noticeably, noticeably superior to Sunderland all the way through. Um, yes, Jermaine Defoe should have scored, but you can't. Like, I saw a lot of people getting all upset even after we won the game, going, "Yeah, but they had that chance." It's like. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't, um, you can't. Winning is the most important thing, and it always will be. But you can't expect your team to go away from home, produce a flawless performance, win one nil, and not have moments when your goal looks under threat. Yeah, it's as if people expect this kind of weird flawlessness. Which, yeah, but they have the chance. So in a way, that kind of asterisks the three points. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Stop. Yeah. Just, you don't. Please step away from the game. I I almost prefer it more when, especially when we're away from home. If we've if, if we we've don't ridden our it. yeah, if we've ridden our luck a little oh, bit, and still come with three points. It, it feels a bit more like Villa lost. Um, Villa, yeah, Villa, Villa especially last year. <laughs> just robbed yeah. them. Swansea as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, I much prefer that. What um, what was I going to say? Um, I think I, I, when we were talking about it on text um, after the game. Um, it might have even been this morning actually I said to you too that in the first half even though we were controlled and it was a good performance and I'm not trying to take any way, anything away from it I think because Sunderland had played so much better than they had done previously and we were at a similar sort of level as to what we were because the second half from our, our perspective was a lot better I think Yeah. Um, not just because they scored a goal I think in all aspects especially the substitutions which will come on to yeah. um, change the match Um but it was, I think, the first half. If you're almost doing a scorecard in a in a in a boxing sense, I think Sunderland might have just edged it on points because um, it felt a lot of the time. If you're going to continue that boxing analogy, that although we had a lot of the ball in the final third, we were punching a lot of gloves. We, you know, every time we threw, we weren't, you know, it wasn't a clean shot. And we were going for the clinches as well a few times. You know, we were yeah, there were a couple of long and passes and things that we shouldn't have done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that that seemed to eradicate itself once the um, the second half had started. Um, but I if think we do- you always have to you always have to expect a little bit of that because you're away from home at that kind of you know Stadium Lights a big ground a lot of you know, it's a pretty noisy place um, as I remember it anyway it doesn't really come through on TV you got to expect to face a little bit of momentum at some point even from a team that is struggling and some fans I, I feel like some people forget that um, that. Yeah, there's nothing we haven't already said, actually, is it? Yeah, you sort of... You... What do you want? You you want to go in there and it's as if some fans expect, well, you know, if we're not 2-0, 2-0 up at half-time and the game isn't over and you know the, the entire home sport hasn't fucked off home already, then in a way it's a loss. It's just like, come on. Yeah, it, uh, well, there is that feeling, that, especially around Sunderland, because it have to been so poor for so long that people do almost think it's a guaranteed three points. And no sort I've, of thing, ever. In yeah. The, it, 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 just because... You know, Sunderland, Sunderland also traditionally, in the last couple of years, they're the team that are shit against the teams that, that are inferior to them, but then come up 
you know they're they're like um they're like West Ham in the nineties sometimes you know that they they are a basement dwelling side but one who cheat their manager and their fans a little bit in the sense that they can come up and and shock a, a Manchester City or a Chelsea or you know occasionally Manchester United they're that team and and you know we we not to not to over promote ourselves but we're we're a scalp as a team not in the same way as a City or a Chelsea but we are and, and they're a team that you know other sides want to be and um yeah completely agree if we if we talk about the uh the substitutions he brought on Townsend and Lamella um for Sun and who else went off Delhi Ali yeah um what did you make of of the two that got their first starts first of all Ali and and um and Sun for me Ali's he's completely promising mm-hmm. and he does a lot of the things that we'd wanted midfielders to do I mean his the way he runs on past Kane and things and opens up spaces is so effective and so well timed for a, a player of his age it's not as if he's doing it in sort of a an over enthusiastic slapdash manner he's actually aware of the, the sort of impact he's having on his teammates and the defence because it actually gives Harry Kane a bit more space if there's somebody beyond him and somebody else for the defence to worry about then he's not as isolated as he could be elsewhere. I mean, Kane had one chance where perhaps last season he would have scored it, um, where this time he, he sort of scuffed it into oh, the side was that netting. The, um, was that the one at the back post? Yeah, 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 where, yeah. Where last season you, he would have definitely he hit, the, hit target. the target. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, even though he scored his goals for England, he's still sort of finding his feet this season, which isn't a problem at all because people are, you know, double marking him and keeping more more of an eye on him than they had done previously. Um, and Sun especially. Sun had some really good moments. I mean, I, I don't think he... Every third pass of his was a flick or a back heel. Um, I mean, there was one, I remember, where he cut in from the right wing and it was just like a three-yard pass to the person next to him. But instead of just playing it side-footed, he sort of stepped over the ball and gave it a flick and went the other way rather yeah. than doing it normally. And I think that's the sort of maverick talent that he is. We only saw it in a tiny bit because I think... I think you saw enough, though, didn't you, to say... Yeah. yeah you, you, because he... I think the word Jack and I agreed on last week was that you want to play with a little bit of ambition, and he has that. He doesn't have much fear. Okay, he didn't. He wasn't groundbreaking, but like he did little things that you think, yeah, we need that in the team. Like when he he cut in field, like, and he had that um he had that thirty yarder which he put yeah a left footed shot yeah. left footed shot. He's two footed player. Like you say, he's not afraid to he's not afraid to lose the ball, which, which sounds like sort of which, which sounds like I'm damning him with faint praise, but in reality, you want someone that isn't. You know, does isn't afraid of the crowd or the reaction to to turning the ball over. So he'll flick something, he'll he'll step over something. That's the kind of you know slightly low percentage player you need to ultimately make things happen in a tight game. And he, you know, the guy, the guy, the guy's travelled a couple of thousand miles during the course of the international window. Never played um, with any of the players that he, he was with on, he was on the field yeah. with yesterday. And yeah, I, I was reading headlines going, yeah, you know. Son fails to sparkle on Tottenham debut. Oh, okay, boys, shut up now. I um, you know. I remember that season, the season before Gareth Bale became Gareth Bale, Bale of today. He had an awful lot of chances and things where he would frustrate people by spending a lot of time out of position. He'd float into positions where he otherwise wouldn't or shouldn't be yeah. and have a lot of chances that were wildly off target and and people were sort of suggesting that he he, built, he started to believe his own hype. That Everton game at Goodson Park when we lost to Kicha Jelovic's goal, that, yeah. when he was, that was kind of like, that was peak 
Bale before he became Bale in the sense he, he was shooting from everywhere and I think the entire fan base just thought alright not every time yeah because he's, he's had it, he had his moments in the Champions League and whatnot yeah. by then so we'd obviously seen glimpses of what he can do but he was still sort of he was still only 22, 23 at the mm. time so he was still sort of becoming the man and the player that we were we, we came to saw the season after under AVB where AVB sort of just you know cleaned off the edges a little bit more and, and helped him become that player. But, you know, if we can do something similar with the likes of Son and, and dare I say Lamella, who came on and provided the assist with a fantastic incisive pass, and there was another pass by Andros Townsend in a, a similar passage of play that, you know, helped create a goal, and they were both effective in in their own way. Yeah. Um, I think Townsend, especially, if, he can, if he's happy playing that role where he is a, a late-impact substitute, I think that might be his best position within the squad because I think starting a game, he may... What he does and the avenues he runs down where they don't come off can become predictable for a defence and a defence can fall into a pattern of stopping him and it be, it can become frustrating just because they're, they're fully aware of what's going to happen. But if you introduce him when they're a tad bit tired, uh, perhaps they're not expecting him to, to come on and they've not really thought about what he's going to do and they've not had that time to settle to his style of play, he's um he's much more effective. You and, know what um, was, it was fantastic Because he, he was great yesterday, but what was encouraging is, obviously he roasted a Van Aanholt and he, you know, Van Aanholt didn't really know what to do with him, but... He didn't just cut and field with the ball. He was beating him down the outside, which is obviously you know his weaker side. But he was stretching the pitch and going to the going to the goal line rather than always drifting in field and having a shot. And there are signs there that he kind of knows how to use himself a little bit better, um, which was great. I, I, that was I, I thought that was the decisive moment because that was the, that was the substitution which really that was the point at which we started to kind of you know look like we were going to score. Um, yeah, and he he was he was terrific, and it was it was lovely to see him back in um, yeah, back in the side. I think the the rest of the team as well. I can't actually think of a bad performance in them, which is a good thing because um, I think they all covered themselves in at least a little bit of glory. Mm. Ryan Mason, especially his, his injuries are some bad news. Um, Eric I think Dyer played very well again. Eric Dyer played very well. I think the only one who could perhaps question about. Yeah, he was he was slightly shaky. He was the one where their their chances came through his channel much more than they did Vertonghen's, who yeah. is starting to replicate that form of his first season where he was he was fantastic, and we we saw why the club spent so long tracking and trying to buy him. Um, but it was Chadley was a, a, a tad oh, bit yeah, anonymous yeah, was, as well. I think that um, his I, time may be coming to an end. In I, the, the well, first. I th- I think the need for I mean I I'm I'm, I'm a fan of what Nasser Chazzy does well, like everybody else is. but Score goals and assists. Score goals and assists. But he, he um, I think Son will eventually take his place because I think Son, I mean, I, I, I don't pretend to be an expert on Son, but any time I've seen him play in the past, he's played from the left. Um, and I think he, he, I think it might suit his skill set a little bit more to play from that area. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Chazzy's got a, you know, nice that his nice as his statistical contribution is. I think there has to be a point in which he he does a little bit more and he doesn't go missing as often as he does. Um, yeah. So I'd be interested to see what someone like um, Alex Pritchard does in the Europa in Europa League because he's someone that can potentially you know, play in that one of those wide midfield roles. And I, I think you know that's uh, the, the tide is probably going to start to turn against that. Yeah. 
we mustn't forget uh, Christian Eriksen either, who's still here to come back, back in. Uh, yeah, of course. But I mean, you'd expect him centrally most of the time. Yeah, this this um, this period of injury might actually be a blessing in disguise for him because he he played so much rest. more football. Yeah, he played so much football last season, and he he did so much in the games he was playing in that you know his his drop off in form was just clearly fatigue. Yeah. So if he if this injury hopefully you know touch wood it's not serious. Um, yeah, you know, he's trying to recharge his batteries essentially, yeah, there you go. so he can come back and um, I think come back and do a job. Um, I think he, he'll be ready for Palace by all accounts. I think he was um, thinking his his pre weekend press conference. Pochettino said he was pretty close to, to to being fit for Sunderland. So you'd imagine that another week and he'll be he'll be ready for next Saturday. Um, we're going to speak to well, I'm going to speak to um, somebody from Crystal Palace's fan base. Welcome back to the show, Matt. You're from uh, Holmesdale Radio, aren't you? Crystal Palace-centric um, sort of radio station, isn't it? The very same, yeah. Brilliant. Um, you've you've come back from work late. I actually remember just as I, I was um, DMing you and I saw your profile picture, you you work in the films, don't you? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm involved in film. That's correct, yeah. Because um, you tweeted me the other day, um, which film was it I'd watched? Was it Ex Machina and you said you'd, you'd worked on it? Uh, yeah, I did a, did a little bit on that, Ex Machina, yeah. Um, what exactly do you do? Because we'll get onto the football soon enough, but this is something that's extremely uh, intriguing. You don't often... When you tweet about a film, you don't often get somebody reply to you and go, "Yeah, I actually worked on that." So it's sort of a, a an interesting point. For just me just personally. narcissistic show-offs like me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm in the art department, so it's essentially um, the, the easiest way to surmise it. It's like uh, it's like being an architect, but for film sets. So it's sort of concept design, and then uh, you know overseeing the build uh, all the way through to filming. And then uh, I go on. I then join the film unit. And then um, when when stuff starts getting blown up, it's my job to make sure that it uh, <laughs> it, it goes back to how it looked before. Um, so you've got all you, your name popped up on the credits and all that sort of business. It has been known to, yeah. It has been like way down, way down. Are you are you one of the ones when uh, people go for a, a cup of tea during the Oscars when your sort of categories come on? Yeah, and and on the Baf- on the Baftas, our our category doesn't even get shown on the BBC oh, is package. It, is it the- they always <laughs> say, um, what, what do they say? Also tonight, and they do a very quick summary of of, of other categories. We're, we're lumped in there. But... Have you ever have you ever won or ever been up on stage? No, I mean f- films I've worked on have been nominated, and I think one of I did one of the Harry Potters, and I think that won a Bafta. Um, but no, yeah, the films have been worked on for been, um, been nominated for Oscars, but uh, it's not. Hey, listen, it won't. I won't be anywhere near the ceremony. Um, <laughs> you don't get it. You don't no, get no, no. You're not going to start your own Holmesdale's fanatics row in the in the Academy Awards can, or anything. Can like. you imagine? The, Take your own teeth off. Yeah, you know, the, just the, the smoke bombs would probably just cause, <laughs> cause too much hassle, and the, dr- the consistent drumming would probably put off. Um, Put off the a the a listers. They can't even handle Gervais. How are they going to handle? Um... <laughs> yeah, um, I'll let you leave work at the office. I'm sure you don't want to. You'd be talking about that when you're at home. We'll we'll talk more about football because I imagine as a Crystal Palace fan at present, you're uh, you're reasonably happy. Um, the other day, actually, um, I wrote an article about Alan Pardew and how his behaviour is changing um, because he he appears to me as if he's suddenly become self-aware and in a way that he hadn't (laughs) done previously at Newcastle. And I think that was perfectly illustrated this weekend where 
previously we've known with Pellegrini, he's had some choice words to say. And uh, this time, rather than let himself uh, reach that level all the way down there, he um, he actually managed <laughs> to um, shake his hand. Um, yeah. So do you think that's that's something he's he's consciously trying to do? Is is the England job something that's in the back of his mind? Oh yeah. Well, I think it's in the back of all of our minds, really. You know, it's it's sod's law. We you know we get a we get a manager that you know is one of our own, as you as you as you say. And um, you know, it all seems to be going well, and it looks like we're onto a good thing. And then, of course, there's always something around the corner with Palace waiting to sort of to ruin it, or whether it's administration or. Um, Getting your manager poached. Um, you know, it happened with Fre- last time we had this similar scenario was when we, you know, we were storming the league under Friedman, and then you know he obviously made the uh, acrimonious move to Bolton. Um, that went well, didn't it? So, it went really well. <laughs> you know, as much as I like the guy, there was a there was a little um, little wry smile there when that when that all went belly up. But yeah, we're part. I don't know. He's he's an obvious choice, I guess. You know, I mean. It depends what you think. I mean, I'm I'm not fussed whether the England manager is English or or, or or from wherever, as long as he's as long as he's the right man for the job. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know if and a lot of people say about you know about Pardew, there's no there's no bigger ego in the dressing room than Pardew, and I don't know if that's a good thing for the England team or if it's a bad idea for the England team. Something I think if I have to be honest, I think that's probably a good thing for the England team. And yeah, if if he if he gets offered it, who are we to stop him? You know, so. Um, yeah, I think it's Whether- it's this upcoming summer, is it 2016, where Hodgson's um, contract runs out. So depending on how well he does in the Euros, we we may well be looking for another manager. <laughs> and knowing England, we we probably will be. Yeah, it's probably it's, it's probably Gary Monk or Alan Pardew, isn't it? But if you're going to go for the uh, the obvious choices, yeah. is that talk actually happening in the stands at Palace? Then are people starting to? Is that an actual concern and a worry? I think yeah, it seems to it seems to be the case that. It, you know the, the press are talking about it, and everybody else seems to be. You know, I was listening to um, Five Live before the game on on Saturday, and they asked Pat, Steve Parish, the chairman, was on, and they asked him, and you know, he gave a very on the fence. You know, if it comes up, we'll have to deal with it. And you know, so it, I think it certainly it seems, certainly seems to be being talked about in in wider circles rather than within within the um, shabby walls of Sellhurst. Um But you know, it, it means. It's it's a compliment, really, isn't it? I guess if 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 they want our manager, I guess he's we're playing well and and they think he can um, do a job at England, and he probably thinks he can do a job at England. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think important. he's a man, yeah, a man lacking in self confidence. <laughs> yeah, and he's got cards written on his training top, so uh, <laughs> that's definitely a request he's made himself. Yeah, it? yeah, he probably went and printed it himself in the in the <laughs> club shop. Um, you know. he, he had it packed before he got the job. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve Parrish, you brought him up. He, he he seems like an odd man. He definitely looks like an odd man. Have you ever seen uh, Summer Heights High, the Australian comedy? I can't say I have. If you want to Google it, there's a, a teacher in that called Mr G, who's the drama teacher in this comedy, and he looks to spit an image of, of Steve Parrish, mainly due to the hair. But um, <laughs> with his flamboyant hair and the way in which he conducts himself, he's a, he's a divisive character, especially with people who aren't intimately aware of what he does at the club. Um, we have a similar sort of thing with Daniel Levy where where people just have this opinion of him that he's, you know, just a hard taskmaster businessman who's more interested in penny pinching than growing the club. And there's obviously truth in that. To I hadn't extent. noticed that. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I don't think that's um, that's the, the full picture. I mean, you, you lot probably aren't 
best pleased with us still over John Bostock, but again that that went the same way as Friedman to Bolton. Um, but but how well is your chairman doing? Is he one of the major reasons you're doing so well now? Yeah, I think I mean he's he's the face of he's one of four, and then him and um, Steve Bauer seem to be the guys that come out in public, and it's mainly Paris. The other two you never really hear hear from. Um, no, I wasn't even aware there was. There was well, a there you go. And he um he like you say he there are some people that don't that don't aren't particularly happy with the way he does things. You know, incidents like Pulis walking out. There's 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 quite a few people. You know, it is a it is a minority, but there's still a significant number of people that are willing to throw around the oh it's all Parish's fault. Um, you know, inside him with Tony Pulis, which from my point of view I think is absolute madness. Um, if you sort of hear what happened, you know, it's it's hard to. It's hard to lay any blame at Parrish's door. Um, I, me personally, I think he, I think he's, he's a, he's a breath of fresh air, a for our club and b for football. He's very, he's, he's, you know, he's been on our show countless times, um, and he's always very honest and he's very engaging. And I mean, Simon, Simon Jordan, I was also a fan of his, but for completely different reasons. You know, very, very similar hair and very sort of. <laughs> similar posture but he was very confrontational Steve Parrish seems to be a bit more diplomatic and he's good for a sound bite and it but, but it's, not, it's not just empty words you know he really you know he's a fan and he's he's willing he's willing to go a little bit above and beyond and you know we signed Yannick Abai for what's rumoured to be 30 million pounds which I'd never thought I'd see um and so he's willing to take risks but he's not gonna he's not gonna gamble the club's future and he and he knows that we're we're years behind in things like training ground and stadium. And, you know, you've got to have that at Premier League level, certainly if you want to then attract, you know, other Johan Kabais. I don't think I don't think we'd have got him if Pardew wasn't our boss. Um, I, I, yeah, I think he's great. For, he's got great ideas. He's got great ideas. And I think there needs to be more chairman like him, really. I mean, like you say, you, you, you've definitely got a chairman that seems to... Um, attract a lot of negativity but you know. <laughs> yeah you can say that again did you say 13 or 30 by the way for that fee for Kabai? Uh, so, uh upwards of i think it's 10 up front potentially 13 i was gonna say when you said i, I didn't hear you properly and i thought you said 30 <laughs> for a second i thought I, I knew it was a good deal but perhaps i may have second thoughts of that i thought i was surprised <laughs> but no. um i haven't, haven't seen him play i think i would i would have paid 30 to be honest it's a good, it's a good thing i wasn't doing the deal um, what exactly has changed about Palace then? Because you have got this this upturn in results clearly um, under Pardew, and it's 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 not just the it's not just the basics he's doing. It's not you know the Harry Redknapp thing. He seems to have done the motivational things you you expect. But what has he done tactically? What has he done with the squad? Has he just attracted a better class of player? Is he is he set them up in a way that's actually befitting of what they're they're able to do or is it just a is it more of a reflection on how poor of a manager Neil Warnock is you know what I think um I think it's it's a mixture of the two I think he's come in and he's he's I mean he came in at a time where you know morale was really low under Warnock and and you know the players the players I mean we didn't there were games where we didn't even play that badly under Warnock but towards the end it, it, it was pretty shocking and you, and you could tell that the players just weren't into it but Pardew came in initially sort of really took him back to basics and didn't didn't play exactly like Tony Pulis, but you know we we set up to to go on the counter and, and you know and try and and utilize our sort of you know Balassi and Zaha the sort of the pace and trickery and and Nick teams on the break. And I think ever so gradually he built he built the confidence back up in the players, um, you know in in quite a, in quite a, um, a steep drastic fashion actually. You know um, I, won't, I don't want to remind you guys that one of his first games was when we um, came from behind to beat you guys two on at our place and. It just went up upwards from there, really. Tactically, 
he's this season. We just seem to be we seem to be just going for it. We're not we don't seem to be worried about keeping a clean sheet, which makes me nervous. But you know, he's always back. He's always raved about the, t- the you know the Palace team that he was part of, and you just had you had you know Salako, Bright, Ian, right, just people, you know, just real real out and out attacking players. Every football pundit going in that side. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, we, we are lucky to have players like Zaha and Balassi punching, and, and and now even Saka. We we are sort of, we, you know, we're very blessed with four very confident, direct, attacking sort of flair players, and I think he's he's just making the most of that, and and he's really James MacArthur was great. He was great under Warnock, but this season next to Kabai, he looks you know he looks twice twice the player that we signed and he just seems to have found a really good balance and keeping Scott Dan was, was massive for us. And I thought, you know, again, that he came out in the press today and, and he said, you know, he was, he was quite open to a move to Everton. Then he heard that we were signing goodbye and, you know, in, in his words, according to Steve Parrish, you know, the clubs that are interested in me aren't signing players that good. So why would I go anywhere else? And he just, he's, he's, he's sort of, he's built, he's built the confidence back up, but, but he's then, you know, he really has tweaked the way the team play and we just seem to be going for it. I mean, we beat, we beat City at home last season. You know, they weren't in the best of places, but that was a real sit back and try and get him on the break. You know, on, on Saturday, I'm, you know, see, seeing the, seeing the match sort of back, I've never seen us go at a t- certainly a, a team contending for the title. So you know, really balls out, and they didn't know what to do with us for, for the first half, and you know, and that's after beating Chelsea. Although it seems that quite a lot of people are capable of doing that at the moment, um, which is quite frustrating. You, you beat the champions, and you think, yeah, brilliant, we're great, you know, and then someone else does it the, the, the week after, and you sort of think, oh, maybe it wasn't such a good achievement, which is a funny way of looking at it. But um, yeah, he, yeah, I, there's never a bad time to beat Chelsea. I don't think no. anyone's complaining about that. <laughs> yeah, it's chaos over there. Um, yeah. Which is which is nice to see, but yeah, yeah it, it's all just. I think it's all it's all built on confidence. He's got the players, the the team, the team spirit seems to really be at a high, and everyone everyone's working for each other. And as long as he can keep that up, um, you know, we're in a good place until he goes to England. Yeah, um, if I was to play devil's advocate, because especially doing this show and well having a pair of eyes and having seen Alan Pardew before, Crystal Polis, um, we've we've spoken to Newcastle fans. We're well aware of how it ended there. Um, there wasn't a week where there wasn't a vitriolic protest against the man. Um, there must have been some reservations before he joined the club, or, or was it because he was such a, a fan favourite while he played there that it there was no real concern over over the job he'd do. For, for me personally, I'm 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 a I'm a bit too young to to hold Alan Pardew as a sort of a cult hero playing wise. I mean, I'm aware of you know of what he did in the semi final to get us to Wembley, um, but you know I I wasn't in the terraces watching that, so I can't say I held him any high regard from a from a Palace point of view. Um, looking at looking at what yeah the Newcastle scenario and you know just just hearing general you know football rumours and chit chat. Uh, yeah, because you know, he's not left any clubs previously on on any good terms. No, and most got, of them have been large falling out of, of quite drastic yeah, scales. Yeah, and I've, I've got a very good mate that's a, a Saints fan, and any, <laughs> there's plenty of rumours coming. Out, so. Yeah, we won't go into them. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, of course not. We- Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Oh, I'm for that. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I certainly, I, I certainly had reservations about the man. However, I think looking at what he had to contend with at Newcastle, be it from, you know, the the fan opposition and then sort of the restrictions he was placed under from from a Mike Ashley point of view. You know, I think I had to admire you have to admire the job he did. And, you know, I like I say what's the what's the Don Hutchinson quote? If he was made of chocolate, he'd eat himself. You know, I, I fully believe that. And and, he, and he's and he's clearly um a, a questionable character. Um However, I, you have to sort of separate that. And the job he's doing, I think, is absolutely fantastic. And you look at where Newcastle are currently, um, and having spent a fair chunk of money, you know, that, that Pardew, you could argue, argue, didn't get, you know, then the, the, the grass certainly isn't very greener for them. So, and but again, you get Newcastle fans that say, yeah, well, and, and, and my and a lot of Saints fans have said to me, you know, oh, yeah, it's the, se- it's the second season. It all goes well, first season, second season. You, you, you know, you'll see how it goes. But we're currently sitting, I think, sixth, and we were second, and we were quite harshly done, done by to lose to City at the weekend. Um, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that all year, to be honest. What's the um, what is the fan expectation then? Because that's that's one thing, especially I've I've learnt um, from our club's point of view is when it is good. The only downside to that is that people sort of get ahead of themselves a little bit, and you can almost forgive them because that's what you're in football fandom for that little bit of hope and of course that, that is what kills you in the end but is there anyone <laughs> at, at is there anyone at Palace who's getting a bit ahead of themselves anyone who's got a sneaky eye on the Europa League or maybe even the Champions League if they're being very silly any, yeah there's probably a few but any, any Palace fan worth his salt is probably dreading administration coming around the corner <laughs> um, but yeah there's that you, you know you go on the social media and and, and the, the, the message board that we're sort of affiliated with and there's definitely the odd the odd the odd person's, you know, genuinely thinking we can stay in the top four, and you know that's good for them. Everyone, you've got to have a dream. Um, but <laughs> but most Palace fans will tell you, um, you know, no relegation is a successful season. But having having finished eleventh and tenth the last two, I think your, your middle of the road Palace fans probably thinking to get in the top ten again is um, is probably the you know the most realistic thing we could hope for. Um, and then, you know, you're then sort of getting into the Europa League sort of, uh, would I say dreamland? I'm going to I'm gonna defer to you on that. Would you call that dreamland or is it is it more of a hindrance? Well, to answer it in, in a sentence, we're playing Carabag on Thursday night. And um, if, if that's what your dreamland is, then um, be that as it may, there's, there's some glamour ties. I mean, we've got Monaco and, and Anderlecht as well, but um, I think we've been slightly spoilt. Um, I remember the first season we got back into it under Martin Yo when it was the UEFA Cup and there was a, a real thirst for European football and everybody was very 
invigorated by that. But because we've been doing it now pretty much solidly for almost approaching 10 years, um, it's it sort of lost its appeal, especially once you've you've tasted the Champions League for a season, you've you've beaten both Milan sides. Um, when you have to drop back down and, as I say, play Karabag, who I think of perhaps from Kazakhstan, um, off the top of my head. Um, they might be. Yeah. Um, then, then you know, you've tasted the, the final life and it's it's slightly harder to step down than it is to step up. But for, for a club um, who've, who've been in the lower divisions as recently as Crystal Palace have, getting to that stage would be fantastic. You just have to avoid what Southampton did and actually manage to qualify for the group stages. Yeah, I think you know you, Southampton's a really good, a really good example for us. You know, you know they were riding high, similar to us this time last season, and you know, and, and naturally, I think you, you fall. You know, clubs clubs of that size, you fall away because you just don't have the depth. And when you when you throw in European competitions that are going to perhaps Kazakhstan, you know, you um, you know, I it, it sounds it's you know it sounds really disrespectful, but if we got in if we got into the Europa League next season. You know, it could re- it could really spell bad news for us. Certainly, if um, if we then lost our manager on top of that, yeah, you know, we just we just don't, we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the squad. We've only just reached a level now, third third year of being back in the Premier League, where where we could confidently say, you know, we've actually really got a, you know a, a good twenty five. Um, it's this is the first season we've been up where you're sort of you know you're right down your sort of preliminary twenty five, and you're actually having to to sort of toss up between player X and player Y rather than being like oh yeah well they're in there because we've got like four spaces left you know they they can, yeah. they can sit on the bench so um, I think uh, certainly a couple more years before I think Europe would be um, a good thing for us uh, Before I ask you about the game specifically and any players that may be of interest to either side um, the question I usually pose especially when the lads let me do it on my own is um, is about the, the future of the club especially the way football's going at the moment and, and when we're not speaking to a Chelsea or a Manchester City fan and there's a, a club who actually have realistic and, and limited expectations as you know you've, you've clearly pointed out by the fact that you've you've said that you'd struggle if you were to go in the Europa League too soon because the, the squad couldn't handle it and the question I always ask is um, if there was rumours or there was the possibility of a an oil rich Russian or, or a sheikh um, from the Middle East to come and, and buy the club and you'd have unlimited wealth and resources and you could um, you know buy your way essentially financially dope your way to success would that be something that interested you or would you rather take 10 to 15, 20 years longer and, and slowly build up the club in a, in a more sustainable way, which, what appeals to you more? I definitely, I definitely prefer the, the, yeah, the second option. Um, I think, as I said before, regarding Paris, we're, we're really lucky. We've got, we've got, I think we've got the perfect blend of a manager who, you know, he's a fan. He's a very savvy businessman, um, you know, and, and he's, you know, Sellhurst and, and the surrounding sort of facilities have been, you know, dire for a while, but, you know, you sort of go there now, and I think Steve Parrish sums up when I see says, you know, it's it's not a ground I'm proud of, but I'm not ashamed of it either. And um, and and you know, it is it is baby steps for us. You know, we were only in administration sort of five five six years ago, and um, we've said, you know, Simon Jordan, bless him, you know, he 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 thought he was at that level of being a you know a, a, an oil baron or, or had that money, and it just it just capit- capitulated too quickly and. And um, I just, yeah, I'd, I'd rather take our time. You know, we're, Palace fans are used to sort of, you know, we're used to having the, the shabby ground and, you know, a, a bit of glory every now and then. You know, I think 
it's madness. You look at, I think, for the other example for me, QPR. No matter how much money they seem to throw at it, it doesn't, it doesn't go well. Yet they're, you know, they're in the championship and still paying nine on fifty quid to go and watch it. Um, I think that that that'd be a nightmare if that happened to us. So yeah, slowly, slowly, catchy monkey. I think for us. So even if even if they were to to ask you, there was a, a phone call from Paris to yourself, and he's look, he says, "Look, we've had this bidding from this man who's worth ninety billion, and he says he's going to invest heavily into the squad." You'd say, "Turn it down, carry on doing what you're doing." Uh, I, I probably would, but again, we were, we were faced with that scenario almost in the summer. An American called Josh Harris that re- reportedly wanted to come in and, and chuck a load of money behind it. And I think I think the deal might have stalled because I think Parrish has said, look, if somebody wants to come in, I'm open to talk about investment. What he doesn't want is just to hand it over to someone that doesn't know the club, doesn't know the area, doesn't really know the English game, and is just going to see it as a as a cash cow. Um, Parrish has said he'd be open to sort of you know selling a stake and carrying on being the face of the club. You know, so if if, if there was a happy medium between the two, yeah, I'd be open to that. If you know, as long as as long as he remained at the helm, I think we could. Um, I think we could find a balance. But but yeah, between the, between the two very extreme options, I'd, I'd, I'm I'm happy to stick with what we got. And that's fair enough. Um, Yannick Bellassi is a player that that Spurs are often linked with. Um, he's not a player that I'm particularly taken by. Um, I think if you watch his full ninety minutes. Um, it's not as impressive as when it's condensed into a match of the day highlight reel um, with his with his flicks and tricks. He's obviously extremely talented, but I'm not sure he's worth the the 20 million upwards that is being quoted every time you you pick up a newspaper or, or look in the the websites that have the rumor columns and what have you. Um, is he is he good? <laughs> at all he's, because he's good yeah he, he's good yeah I mean is he 20 million pounds worth of good I, I we've had this we had this discussion most weeks during pre-season because like you say it was in every newspaper that um that he seemed to be linked with you guys um I do you know in, in today in today's market I'm, I'd say do you know what he is worth 20 million because he, he does he has got a very specific skill set and like you say, his his final his final ball can be atrocious. I mean, you know, he's played something like 110 games for us, and he scored seven goals, and that's not through through a lack of shots. You know, he'll have a punt from from 25 yards quite happily, but it's very rare that it's on target. Um, but you look at you look at what he does do. You know, he's he's a he's a player that gets gets the crowd on their feet, and you know, he plays with a smile, and he he, he is very unpredictable, but. In you know taking the taking the money out of it, if 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 you know if I was if I was a club like Spurs looking to break the top four and potentially Champions League, I, I don't think he's consi- I don't think he's currently consistent enough. Um, you know, for for you to spend that money on him and and him come in and just be an instant hit. Um, you know, you, you players like Aaron Lennon, you know, who you could argue of, whilst not necessarily as exciting, might be a bit more consistent and a bit more. You know, be able to d- deliver the odd good dead ball every now and then. Balassi, we, we're playing him up front now, which I find a bit bizarre. Pardew seems to like him up front. He scored a hat trick against Sunderland last season at, at, at their place, and um, again, it's an achievement. But they were in a they're in a dire place at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, when when they, when they were talking of twenty five thirty million, I I was quite willing to let you guys find out if he was worth it. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. For, for any less in today's market, it's not worth. It, it wouldn't be worth letting him go just because you couldn't you couldn't sign a replacement 
of, of a similar skill set for that money. Having said that, we did just sign um, Bakary Sacco on a free, and he's come in and scored two in two and had something like six shots on goal against Chelsea in, in one game. And you know that's that's quite rare for for, for Yannick Balassi. But he's a great he is a great player, and he he just needs to he just needs a bit more consistency and and try and sort of locate the goal a bit more. I think that's pretty much echoing what we've always said about him because there always is a a clamour because I think what what most fans that don't watch you know his full performances see they obviously do see the the best parts of him where he does skip past players and the the rare assists and the goals that he does get and the the headline tricks and things are, are, are what I think piques people's interest more than it maybe should um but if we if we talk about this game more specifically um, what's your expectations of it? Are, are you now at such a confident place that you think this is a, a guaranteed victory against a Tottenham side that have only just got their first win, or or is there always a a bit of um, trepidation? There's, def- there's definitely always a bit of trepidation with me. Um, yeah, again, having having beaten having beaten Chelsea and quite rightly so, and you know, I'm not saying we should have beaten City, but I think a, a point would have been very fair. You know, come 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 into come into White Hart Lane, and and like you say, you guys only just nicking your first win. I'd so I'd, you know I'd certainly expect. I know expect is a really bad word. I'd certainly hope to come away with at least a point. Um, if we if we if we play out what we're capable of of what we are at the moment, then you know we'll definitely give you a really good game. Having said that, we we were without a striker against City, and our, Joel Ward, our first choice right back, and. Damien Delaney, who's just a man transformed at centre-half. He was a free transfer from Ipswich about five years ago. Um, I think it depends. It depends which Spurs turns up. On a personal level, I need Harry Kane to start scoring because he's in my fantasy football team. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be, a, good, I think it'll be a, a tight game. And I mean, I mean last, last season when we, um, we were at your place, and oh no, sorry, the first season we were up under... under um, under Pulis at your place, we, we played you off the park for the first forty-five minutes, and it was a, it was it was the, the famous Jason Punch and penalty miss, and then second <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. Second half, you just came out and two real sucker punch goals. I, I, I came away very very deflated that day. Um, I'd like to think that, and I think last season it was nil nil at your place. So going from a loss to a draw, I'd like to think that we can third time lucky. We can. Um, Maybe come away with three. Where do you think you can you can hurt us specifically? Is it the pace and the directness that you have that you think might be too much for us, or is there anything that you've got that's a bit too much for us? Is Kabai gonna is is he too clever for our midfield? Kabai is an interesting one for us because we all expected him to come in and, and sort of play the number ten slightly behind the striker role, where sort of Jason Punchins excelled towards the, the back end of last season. Um. Because we normally we normally play with sort of played with Yedinak and MacArthur or Ledley playing holding, and you know and let the sort of four in front do all the sort of creative stuff. But Pardew seems to have as uh, he's he's played Kabai sort of deeper, and he he sits alongside with MacArthur. And I, to be honest, I didn't realise how good he was in sort of the defensive. You know, he lo- he loves a tackle. He's he's a really strong, accurate tackler. Really gives the, the ball away and, and and doesn't and doesn't concede many fouls and. Um, him and MacArthur seem to have a really good understanding about who, who's going to go and who's going to drop. So I think with, with him sort of with him at the, at the if you like at the base of the, of the midfield, letting players like Zaha, Punch, and Balassi 
And if we if, if Connor Wickham's not fit, then we might see Sacco start as well. Those four against City were just they were sort of I mean they were knocking the ball around at ease, and they all seem to be rotating into the, those four sort of attacking positions. And I think if if that's on if if that's as good as it was on on Saturday, I can see us giving you a real a real problem in sort of the final third. Okay. Um... What would be your your score prediction for the game? Just to finish off, I, I, I'm gonna. I don't want to come on here and, and give it large on on your show. It's really <laughs> bad. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say a, a, a two all draw. Okay, two all draw sounds sounds sensible. Deal. Um, you settle for that? Uh, no, I don't think I'll settle for that. But I think it's. Uh, I think it's a a reasonable shout. I don't think it's it's out of this uh, out of the question. We've um we've already drawn two all at home to Stoke already this season. So there's um there's certainly goals at White Hart Lane this year. Good. That's good to know. Excellent. Brilliant. All right. So thanks very much for your time, Matt. I'll let you get on with your evening. Always a pleasure. Best of luck. Yeah, that was a uh, a Sunderland fan for us. Palace fan, we've mate. spoken Palace to. Fan. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Palace fan. This is brilliant when I'm hosting it. I just forget <laughs> everything. Um, you you should have some uh, listener questions there, shouldn't you? Uh, that we're going to go through. I do, I do. All right, um, we're going to. Okay, this is a good one um, from. Well, it's kind of um, it's kind of something we've covered in the first half, but Thomas Danacek asks. What are our thoughts on Son? Would you agree that while his execution leaves a lot to be desired, he at least isn't hiding, which is a positive for Spurs? Yeah, I think um, just echo what we said previously. Yeah. He's, he's he's shown enough promise in one performance for us to sort of, you know, be positive about what he can offer us in the future. Um, and, you know, whether that be next week or the week after, um, I think given the amount of money we spent on him and, and the fact that he was thrown in straight away, he's likely to have a decent run in the side and that's probably what he needs. Um, we we touched on the fact that Ericsson's not back yet. And once he starts to sort of link in and, and find his feet with other players around him, which will happen in training as much as it will in matches, um, we'll we'll start to see the better of him once he, you know, we learn his game and he learns ours to some extent. Um, he'll become much more effective. It's sort of because football is such a, a team game, possibly more than any other sport. Um, you you really need your team to understand you as an individual if you're going to succeed, which you know doesn't often happen. I mean, even the best players in the world, your your Ronaldo's and your Messi's, their sides know exactly what they're going to do, where they want the ball and, and how they want, you know, feeding and, and how they want support. And, and that's why they're the best players in the world is because they have the correct supporting cast. I mean, I'm not saying Ronaldo or Messi couldn't go and play for Huddersfield Town and not be brilliant, but they they wouldn't be as effective because the players around them wouldn't be as good. Um, so we need that to happen before he's he's... Um, as effective as he can be. Um, okay, uh, Matthew Harris asks, uh, is all the negativity a Twitter-based thing or is it spreading to the terraces? I read a few tweets about fans infighting at, at the Everton game. I read a few tweets about the fans infighting at the Everton game. Um, no, well, infighting has ex- ex- existed as long as White Hart Lane, or as long as I've been going to White Hart Lane, certainly. I mean, I, I haven't been for a couple of years, but this isn't a new thing. Like, yeah, people have one too many beers and they start to get a bit larry and whatnot. Yeah, so. also like it's 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 football nature as well because every 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 fan. I mean, uh, okay, it's a little bit more reserved in person, but what the internet tells you is that no matter how moronic someone's opinion is, they wholeheartedly believe it. 
and they will yeah. fight their corner. I mean, you, you, you could have... You go onto the, the bottom of, I don't know, any article written on any website in the country, you'll find two people arguing that black is black and white is white and vice versa. And, you know, the level of sort of conviction and nonsense, the, the, the sort of the volume of nonsense that goes into that kind of discussion, it's just... It, it's just um, it's just a digital version of what what people think in stadiums, and that'll never change. And it, it hasn't, it hasn't. Twitter hasn't infected the atmosphere at White Hart Lane. That that's been there all along, really. It's got a little bit worse in recent years, in my opinion. It sort of mirrors each other, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you, you, I mean the idiocy, the idiocy is slightly more, um, is slightly <laughs> slightly more apparent online, just because people have the freedom of you know a keyboard instead of you know. If, and it's a lot easier to access as well yeah, because there's, exactly. there's only a limited amount of people you can have inside the ground and only a limited amount of people who are going to report on what they've seen and heard and, and things and like that inside the ground. One, one thing I'll say Whereas, actually though is that I find um, I find that the people within the ground, okay, there's a lot of moaning, but I find that most of them, um, there's more of a desire to see it go well than there is on Twitter. Like if you follow a game on Twitter, what you see is within 10 minutes, um, like the, the amateur tacticians have picked up on a fault that they, well, haven't picked up. They, they've, they've decided they've seen a fault and they're saying things like, no, what I do is I move that player to that position, substitute this guy off immediately, um, punch that one in the face, throw that one out the ground, put that one in a taxi and send them back to White Hart Lane. And it's just all this bollocks because it, it, it's a... It's a clamouring for attention, as if they're expecting at some point someone to turn around and go, you know what, you're wasted on Twitter, we're going to give you a job at Tottenham. And it's just, it's just, there's more of that on, on Twitter, I think, on social media generally. I think there was actually an episode of um, of Jack's animation where um, Daniel Davy gave the Tottenham job to a, a child who was fantastic at football manager. Um, I can't remember exactly which episode it is, but I do remember that happening at some point. Um, have we got any other questions? Uh, yeah, well, I will do if I hadn't put my phone down quickly. Um, okay, so uh, Rob Canavan asks, uh, how excited is Jack by Roma Stard on a scale of one to delusional Scudetto fantasies? Uh, Jack's not here, so I'll answer on his behalf. Um <laughs> I'm annoyed by how well Roma have started, given that they were the only team, and I think a 10 to 15 team accumulator I put on for £10 at the start of last season that didn't win the league. Um, I think I was in for about two and a half, three grand um, if it had come in, and Roma were the only ones that had failed. And it seemed as if I jumped the shark by a season because I predicted the Juventus sort of slow start last season when they changed manager, but it's happened a season later than... uh, than I'd uh, I thought that too. I saw Allegri and I just thought you're not winning anything, mate. You know. Yeah, but he sort of made us all look a full bag into the Champions League final and everything. But he did have that. It's almost similar to Martinez and Moyes at uh, Everton, isn't it? By he sort of had that that leftover enthusiasm from what Conte had done before. He'd also had a, a and, stack um, of world class players in his team. I mean, you know. Yeah, and he's lost lost, lost a, super, a few of them now. Tevez, yeah. You know. I watched Tevez last night. Actually, I watched a Super Classico and. Uh, it's just it's essentially what what that game is is children's football played by adults because yeah. <laughs> uh, they all just ball hog they all chase it they all bunch together they all kick each other and complain and cry and you know jump around but it's it is fantastic soap opera football I don't watch Argentinian football at all regularly but because that game is is on YouTube every time it's played 
um it's just too easy to to put it on the apple tv and watch it it's it's uh it's just a laugh especially before bed just watching some cartoonish football because uh, occasionally something fantastic does happen uh but more often than not it's just pantomime okay which is nice we have one more question um mark lynch asks why does ben davis continue to get so much criticism even when he does well, a mistake is always highlighted while, while Danny Rose's get ignored. I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. I think maybe, um, <laughs> I think a lot of people, uh, there's two halves to that really. And that Danny Rose has really improved as a player, but I think his improvement has masked the fact that he's still quite imperfect and that, you know, he's, he's, he's really good in, um, in an opponent's half and he does so much good, you know, when he, when he's bursting forward. Um, his delivery has actually improved a lot as well, but there are. It, it's strange because a mistake because in their own halves they seem to make equal amount of mistakes, and you know Rhodes is just as frail around his penalty box as, as Davis has been. But supporters really like getting on Davis's back at the moment, which is strange because I I think he's done quite well. Yeah, I agree with you as well. Um, I mean, Davis isn't as bad as, as people would would have you make out to be. Um, I think it's just a they want to see Rose in the team, and it's one of those kind of it's a lobbying thing. So yeah, with with Danny about. Rose as well. I think I think you we were texting about this as well. I think you hit the, the nail on the head when his his sort of transformation from walking catastrophe yeah. and and you know a liability in, in the he, he was the a most, defeat klaxon when you saw his name on the team sheet. It was yeah, just, you, you, you knew he was going to do something yeah, wrong. Yeah. Um, but he he um his transformation into actually being a serviceable footballer. Um, sort of has has you know over infused the support with him, and I'm not trying to do him a disservice at all because he's a you know he's he's a credit to the he's side one of our when he plays. Now, so. Yeah, but he's he's not Roberto Carlos. He's not that much better than somebody else who is in the same position. I actually think one of the knock on effects from Ben Davies, which hasn't been talked about at all, is how much more comfortable Jan Vertonghen looks playing next yeah. to him. Um, and I think Vertonghen's best performances have come when he is playing next to Ben Davies and not when he plays next to Danny Rose. I think Danny Rose's um, his tendency because he does attack a lot more, which is you know, visually what I think gives a lot of people more belief in him because he he appears to do much more. Yeah. Um, sort of dis, you know, it, it disorientates what Vertonghen does as a centre back. He doesn't have as much support as he does when Davies is there and I mean he was he was fantastic yesterday and that's a lot to do with the support he gets on that flank with his fullback and they seem to have a better relationship than I think he does with Rose I mean it's not it's not terrible when they play together but I think that is a, an actual thing that's occurring I mean it's something to, to keep your eye on if they do get more playing time together which I hope they do that is a partnership which could flourish because We've talked about this before, but because Davies doesn't go and attack as much as Danny Rose, he doesn't. He's not permanently, you know, with his heels on his own touchline, on his own um, goal line or anything. But he he picks when he goes forward, and he sort of he judges it a little bit better. I think Danny Rose does because Danny Rose goes permanent, you know, permanently. He's going forwards, whereas Ben Davies could perhaps do it a little bit more. And then it's, if they, if you you could combine the two and almost make an amalgamation of the you'd two, then good, you'd have very, a very good fullback. You'd have a very very good fullback. But um, they both have their their faults and their and their plus points. Well, I think also it's, it's interesting that when when both have been fit, because um, I, I think um, the Everton game was the first time this season Rose has been fit enough to start. 
I might be wrong, but I think that was true. Um, Pochettino seems to want to play Rose in situations where we need an extra man in an opponent's half. So we need that extra width going forward. But when he wants to be a bit more conservative, like obviously he was at Sunderland, which you'd expect in an away game, he goes with Davis. And I, I think that's kind of fair because I, I really do believe Davis is a better defender. Um, and also, like you say, the effect on the effect on Vertonghen, the kind of the stabilizing influences, is partly because, unlike Rose, who does a lot of you know who goes forward habitually almost, um, he doesn't. He's not prone to leaving kind of numerical mismatches, or or, or he leaves less space behind him basically. Um, and I think that's a really valuable commodity away from home. And and I I, I don't know. I just I, I think we're we're, we're a we're an imperfect squad and a lot of our success is going to come from how well we mix and match different pieces across the season and, and fullbacks, no exception. And I expect at some point, you know, once he, you know, once, once he's had a chance, I think the same will be true on the right side with Trippier and Walker. And that you, you, I don't think it's a bad, a bad thing though. Either. If, 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 uh, if Pochettino has an idea where he almost has a home and away fullback, yeah where he gets to pick and choose depending on opponent. I think that's probably the best possible thing for him to do if there's an opponent where he thinks we can exploit their frailties on the wing. Then you obviously you play Danny Rose in that situation yeah. because, as you say, he will habitually attack. If there's a, a team that are very good on the flanks and they'll double up on you and they have good wingers as well as good fullbacks, so you, you, your Chelsea's of the world and Manchester United and as well. Now you're, as well you're, with that yeah, they've got. yeah, yeah. You'd you'd play Ben Davies because he's slightly more assured. He gets a better performance from his centre back, and he's going to be a bit more measured in what he does. So it's you know they're, they're very different characters playing the same position. So. It's um, it's probably a good thing for us that if Pochettino is mixing a match independent on the opposition, then, then you'd want to see that. You, you can't really argue with it because we won. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and, and you know, it wasn't one of those kind of we, when we deserve to win too. I know we joked about you know enjoying it when we mug a team off without really deserving the points, but um, you know what he what he set out to do yesterday worked, and I think you know sometimes you know. Uh, I, I I don't know. I just I think I think fans go into games with an idea about with a preconceived notion of of what they want to be seeing, and they instead of kind of um, reacting as the game unfolds, they wait for um, they wait for the opportunity to vindicate their own beliefs. Um, and Davis is kind of an example of that because when when you see his name on a team sheet, there's always a couple of people that kind of go, "Oh, for fuck's sake." And then within seven or eight minutes of the game starting, he's, I don't know, he, he he's misplaced a pass. He was like, no, get him off, put Danny Rose on now. And it's like kind of 11 minutes into the first half. You know, just let's, let's, let's be adults about it. Yeah. Um, what else have we been asked? Um, well, we, we've been asked how we're going to cope without the trunk this week. And that is by... Admirably. Yeah, we've done all right. That, that, that's from yeah. a, um, a, a certain Jack Hussey. Don't know who that is, but never heard of him. Um, Ari Otspur, not the one that you know, not not that that dial-up cretin who who uh, yeah um, is someone else. Who's just, <laughs> you might want to change that handle, by the way. That is not an association you want. Asks <laughs> can Andros break through this year? 
Um, I think, um, firstly, I think dial-up cretin is one of the best things you've ever said on the podcast. Um, just as a phrase, it rolls off the tongue lovely. Um, but to answer that question, I think we touched on this earlier. Um, if he's used and he's happy to play a role where he is an impact substitute in the Premier League, then that is his, his best position and best place for him to play um, in that particular competition. I think he's, he's got a job to do in the uh, in the Carling Cup and um, in the um, Europa League as well when we're playing teams like Karabag and things like that who were playing on Thursday, mm-hmm. who none of us have ever heard of. We don't particularly know where they're from. They're from Azerbaijan. What they do. They? Yeah. Land but... of fire, as per the athletic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's on the back of the shirt now. It's oh, not is on it the front really? of the shirt okay. anymore. Yeah. I think they've got a questionable human rights record as well, Azerbaijan. Um, so you may how, want to. How, keep how that unlike in. football for, uh, to, to, to overlook <laughs> that for the sake of a massive sponsorship deal? How weird. What an yeah. anomaly that yeah. is. With Qatar on the front of the yeah, Barcelona yeah. shirts. Um, but no, um, I, you might want to bear that in mind if you go into the away leg in Karabag, which I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure why anybody would. I'll go to the home game, but I don't think. Yeah, um, are you going to the? home I game? am. Yeah, I'm going on Thursday. Which is this one with one of your vast array of female friends? No, well, one of my one of my female friends has never been to a, to a professional football game, and and she um, she really wanted to go, but I um. I don't know. I mean, to, to get. Oh, you and Jack talked about this. Yeah, you? we did. And I, I. Is this one of the women you've done the happy dance in your flat for? <laughs> <laughs> Move on. Um, you were expecting no, that question. Were you? No, that caught me off guard. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take that we'll, as a yes. Um... <laughs> the amount of women that you've done a happy dance in your flat with. Um, we'll, we'd be here for another uh, hour. Different podcast, mate, um, that one, that question. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do that on the UMAXIT <laughs> podcast tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's where we, that's the, that's the lad banter one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's I, I don't know I, I I I wouldn't I'm quite enthused about the Europa League this year, so it's kind of partly selfish because I you know I wanted to experience it, but also I just think the atmosphere will be slightly better at a European game because the younger players are there and and um and in the past I I I always used to you know when I didn't have to make the choice between them when I uh, season ticket I um I kind of preferred them because it's just a bit more. I don't know, it's just a bit healthier. Um, and, yeah. Um, so we'll see. If we end on uh, on Jack's question, yeah. um, his actual serious question, uh, which is, would you rather see Spurs win the Europa League or an FA Cup and League Cup double? Um, which would you rather see? I, I'd personally like to see us win the Europa League. Yeah, I've League. never seen us win the European think- competition, so... Yeah, neither have I, and I think it would also help change the perception of the competition if it actually looked winnable, um, and it's a it's a you know bonus crack at the Champions League as well, which we're not going to get through league football. So if we get to have a have a turn in you know going through the the long drawn out qualification process, then that would be a giggle as well. well. I think that's one of the um, reasons why I really like the Europa League this year is because our group is excellent. It's full of good teams. I mean, you know, Monaco are a good side. Andelect are... Andelect will, it will be a... Um, Andelect are fun because they've got some really good players. Like someone like Tim... Uh, I can't pronounce his name, but Timmelmans, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, the little midfielder. I, I, they remind me a little bit of uh, a Fiorentina yeah, last that's season. That's not because they're playing the... They're not playing the same coloured kit, but because they have that... It's, it's one of those fairly evenly matched 
games for us, especially on a European stage where we we play each other's grounds. Um, it'll be quite entertaining to see us, you know, go at each other for a bit because then they're, they're not a side to sit back. They, um, they're, they're, there's one caveat though. I, I I recently subscribed to Premier Sports and they carried the um the Jupiter League, um, live on. On, on, on. I'm not sure that's something you want to watch. Yeah, but I, I watched Anderlecht just because I, 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 I mean, there are so many players which are going to be relevant in the future that you might as well become a, 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 acquainted with them now. And the thing I'll say about Anderlecht's ground is, you know, great, you know, lots of good fans, everything. Their goal mouth is an absolute disgrace. It's this sort of, like, I can't really describe it. You know how a lot of grounds, like, you know how um, the Etihad Stadium has AstroTurf in the, inside the goal? You know, the, 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 instead of it, it's yeah. grass and it turns to Astrid and, and like oh, one of the goals yeah. at Old Trafford is like that too. Right, Andelect, you've got that, but it's purple. It is an absolute oh. disgrace. It's just, it, it, uh, that that is, that's the kind of thing you should find clubs for. It's vile, but they, they do have a lot of really good players. So Timmelmans, I think most people know about, but he's, he's a, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he's still there. But there's, um... There's a, a young guy called, again, I, I don't know the pronunciation, he, Dennis Pryat, um, and he... I'll take your word yeah, for Yeah, he, he, he's fun to watch. Um, so they will give us a game over both legs. Well, not legs, but both, both fixtures. Um, so it's just it's, good. it's a really fun group, I think, and we might not get through it, but I, I, I like games against teams that I know something about, and I, I don't know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even tell you what colour Carabag play in. Which I don't, and that's what I usually associate with the Europa League. Just, I'd like it if Carabag played in carrier bags. Um, well, in a kind of, you know, like, if they're, they're very tight plastic kits. No, no, like actual carrier bags. So, like they'd stitch together ones from Sainsbury's and Tesco and Morrison's and things like that, and they were literally playing in carrier bags, so they could be called Car- yeah, carrier bag. Carrier bag. Yeah, that's a terrible, maybe, maybe, maybe terrible their joke. Fans would turn up wearing them. As some kind of, although I'm not sure. Carrot no, their their fans, their serious fans, will have bag for life um, <laughs> because they they have a, a proper carrier bag. Um, Hard, the hardcore, to, the um, the carab- the carabag ultras. Yeah, they carry their flares <laughs> in bags for life. They've got those um, big uh, plastic blue bags you can get from IKEA instead of um, you know the the ones that rip with holes in from supermarkets. Well, the ones that like sort of trap dolphins and kill squirrels and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah those ones um i think that's us though isn't it we don't have anything else to talk about so. no, we, um, particularly no, we're done we've even spoken about carabag yeah which i didn't think was something we were going to achieve um what else we spoke about sunderland yeah we've done that and you've got palace yeah uh palace will will record at some point and it'll be out tomorrow Fucking night love to be whenever I think Pardew's lining him up for the uh, Eng- for the old England God, job. Okay, especially, did you see him this weekend where he was so close to calling um, Pellegrini an old cunt yeah. again? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but instead, he stopped himself and shook exactly. his hand. And you could almost see the surprise on Pellegrini's face because, like, here we go again. I'm about to be, a, you know, verbally abused in one of the most horrific manners I would ever assume yeah. to be in, in my professional like life. About, you know, Pellegrini went for it, though. I thought he was going to crack him. Well, you would, though. If somebody had told you to shut the fuck up, you old cunt. I mean, I, I, I say that to I you think, on I almost a daily basis. Shut your noise, you old cunt. Yeah. To be, uh, to be precise. You fucking old cunt, yeah. Um, one of the, the finest, you know, uses of language since Shakespeare, I think you'll find. 
Um, but he, you know, I would have gone for him, but he, he sort of stopped himself. And I think his his own growth in self awareness is is part of his sly campaign to to you know sweeten up the FA because if he'd carried on being a dick, then there's no way they were going to hire him because they've avoided hiring similar characters in you know Redknapp and Clough, mm, mm. especially in the past. Even Allardyce to a certain extent was, you know, interviewed for the job at the very least. Um, or thought about um, quite highly at some point, and he was never given a crack at it just because he was he was deemed as not fulfilling what they wanted personality wise. But um, I'm sure I'll ask the uh, ask the Palace fan that at some point. And uh, if anyone if anyone is having a particularly low week, uh, I re- recommend to um, that you that you find footage of Tim Sherwood's post game interview from the weekend just to have a a little bit of a, a boost. That yeah, I laughed. On your face, I promise. I you. laughed that quite was... quite heartily when I, I I saw the score when they were two in the lot, and then I saw it again later when it was the the last three. Oh, two. Man, I watched it. It was, that, just, it was it was everything. It was affirmation of everything I I I, I know to be true about Sherwood in that played quite well, scored two goals. Then he had no idea how to shut the game off. He was just um, ruthlessly exposed, and it was uh, it was like um, yeah, he had no idea what he was. Um, had to had to change the momentum in that game. It was, uh, yeah, and his his uh, his sad little face in the press conference was just wonderful. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So if he's sacked, if he's sacked by Christmas, that's the best present any of us can get. Well, I'm kind of I I, I I wouldn't mind a sort of prolonged period of humbling. You know, just uh, just to, he because he, he does desperately need more than anything else. He needs his wings clipped, and he also, you know, when things like that happen, he needs to start saying things like. Um, Maybe I could have done something different rather than always doing the kind of um yeah, we don't have enough heart or you know No, just... I want him to continue on in the manner that he currently does and never learn a lesson because I think that'll make him further unemployable. And if and if he can do such a bad job this season with Aston Villa to make himself unemployable inside the Premier League again, that'd be fantastic because I think he will then have to live out his the rest of his managerial days in the in the lower lower leagues until somebody gets desperate and has to hire him again as Aston Villa did but um, uh, I, that's what I want I want I want complete and utter self-destruction uh, professional suicide what a snake he is Goodness. yeah horrible man um, but if we finish the pod uh, what do we say um, everything's on the website rtrpod.com follow us on twitter rtr underscore pod um, and that's about that it, is it, isn't it? There's, no, uh, there's nothing else to it now we haven't really we haven't yeah, really got, got a signature sign off yet so no, we've just got a website and a Twitter, so follow us on that for all sorts and uh, yeah, do that sort of business. Do you, do you want to say goodbye, Seb? Because I, I don't like saying goodbye. It always seems disingenuous when okay. I say it. Well, goodbye and have a nice week. And we'll see Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.